Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Welcome back to the Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner, CEO of Cordell and Cordell. And we continue to bring you information for divorce and all things relevant to divorce. And today is no different. Uh, Keep in mind, if you uh, need to schedule a consultation, which is just a meeting with an attorney, you can go to our website, do that online. And you don't even need to talk to anyone. You can go online, schedule that, or you can give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW or you can go to the web. You can also check out all of our podcasts on Apple iTunes, go to our YouTube channel, plenty of information. We'll have a virtual town hall coming up here in August, which you're not gonna wanna miss because we know you have questions and our panel will have answers. It'll be 30 minutes, fire away all the questions that you have. So let's, uh, we're joined by Jill Massey, litigation partner at Cordell and Cordell, welcome. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Let's talk about something that we haven't spoken about in a while and probably since early in COVID in 2020. And that really is mediation, settlement talks. Maybe we can start there. You want to talk about roadblocks, but maybe the best place to start is I imagine there are all these different ideas and definitions. And I, you know, what is mediation? Every state may have some different approach to it. I know Georgia may have minimum mandatory time to do so. Maybe just let's start there before we get into kind of what's roadblocking the ability to be an effective settlement mediation. What is really mediation? Yeah, so mediation is an avenue designed to allow litigants to settle their case. It's not unique to divorce or family law. Mediation is a universal topic that applies to all litigation and even sometimes outside of litigation settings. Um, But it's a a process designed to bring litigants together, to bring people together with their differences and to try to resolve those differences without needing the intervention of the court, an an arbitrator or or some trier of fact to make the decision for them. It, It gives you the power in your case to make the decisions, um, to have a say. And the way that the process works is that you will be there with your counsel. The opposing party will be there with their counsel. And then a third party mediator um, who's a neutral will be there and will be kind of shuttling back and forth between the two of you, relaying offers, um, helping you get creative, uh, giving ideas, reality testing, hopefully, um, doing doing everything they can to try to get you all to a common ground, which is called your settlement. And that's the ultimate goal of a mediation. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of I was just talking uh, with some of our other attorneys about mediation and I like informal, which is for me right off the bat, a client will retain and I'll say, look, let's get opposing party and their attorney together in our conference room before we even do anything that we may have filed. Uh, But let's just kind of see what's going uh, on, what the issues are. Let's just see what the potential is before we spend a lot of money. But what that leads into, which really is your kind of the roadblocks, and that is really preparing your clients and their mindset and making sure what they're going to expect, right? What is it that this is going to do? And, you know, so that they're not surprised, they don't have too high of an expectation, too low of an expectation. 
really is preparing them. And that really is your first roadblock, right? Yeah. So one of the roadblocks that I've experienced, so I've been, I've been practicing family law for about 10 years now. So I've done hundreds of mediations, right? And one of the things that I've seen kind of derail the mediation process is people not having reasonable expectations. Um, I blame that in part on, on the attorneys. I feel that, you know, it is the attorney's job to manage their clients' expectations, but I don't know what the attorneys are doing in the background. You can't always, you know, blame the attorneys. The attorneys could have exhausted their efforts to manage expectations and the parties just might not have ever gotten there. But when you're talking about expectations in a mediation setting, really what you're wanting to look at is what you want to accomplish. Like if you could have your perfect day and your perfect outcome of this case, what do you want versus what can you get in court? What can you accomplish in court? Um, that's kind of the benchmark for what your expectations should look like. It's, it's If you feel like you can reasonably accomplish it in the courtroom, that's kind of the standard for what your expectation should be. So that's your attorney's job, right? Your attorney's job is to prepare you and to educate you on what they think you are able to accomplish in court. And then we take that, we compare it against what you really want to see happen. And that's how the development of reasonable expectations come to life. The problem is, is that I see a lot of attorneys kind of phoning in mediation. Um, it's an extremely important important day in the case. It's all but second to going to trial as far as the, the hierarchy of what's important. But it's a very tends to be a little bit of a laid back day compared to what how you feel when you're going into trial. Um, so I see I see attorneys kind of um, take a load off on mediation day sometimes and not do the legwork in preparing their client. And you can really tell when an opposing party has not been prepared um, by way of expectations because you just sometimes you just can't get anywhere and it ruins yeah. the whole mediation. And it is, I think, as you mentioned, I, I lay it at the feet of, of the attorneys. It really is that their job. And then I think that, you know, emphasizes the importance of finding someone, as you mentioned, you've done hundreds of mediations in 10 years in family law and finding someone that practices exclusively that has done this, whether it's in a formal setting or an informal setting, because one of the jobs of a family law attorney is to manage their client. And that includes managing expectations. I've told clients, look, this mediation can be one minute or it can be 15 hours. Yeah, I really don't know. So just be prepared for that. It may crumble in the very first minute and something is said and their expectations on the other side are so ridiculous that we may need to walk out. And it's the unknowns that if you don't prepare your client for, it can lead to some disastrous, difficult results. And and I think that's why I, it's, a, it's a really good idea to put managing expectations as the first roadblock and, and follow that up with, and I'm having this very issue now, which I, I wanna set a, uh, an informal mediation with the opposing party. We've been filed for about 10 months now, and but I'm not prepared to do it because we haven't really finished some discovery. I wanna get everything in front of my client because there's some really sticky issues uh, that we have to deal with. And I can't really get to that table unless I know what's there. And that really would be getting the appropriate information, right? Right. So another roadblock that we see is when you don't have what you need to settle. And that can mean a number of things. The first place that my mind goes is the financials. I mean, generally speaking, you're going to want a full financial disclosure 
when you are sitting down at the mediation table. I mean, we, we litigate all different types of cases in family law, but most of them have some sort of financial component, whether it be asset division, income for purposes of child support or alimony or whatever the case may be. It's really difficult to develop your expectations of what you should be getting or giving in a settlement when you don't have the full information about what the finances are. I mean, how could you possibly say what you what the other side needs by way of alimony or what you need by way of alimony, wherever the case may be, if you don't know the full financial picture? Of course, you know your own financial picture, hopefully, um, and you can present that with your attorney and you can, you know, you often walk through that. But knowing the, what the other side's bringing to the table as well, um, clients have different un- levels of understandings of what the other side's got going on. Um, and so you and your attorney need to sit down and work through, okay, what do we need in order to be able to be in a position to settle? It doesn't only apply to the finances. There could be um, factual disclosures about conduct and things like that that may um, impact your willingness or your ability to settle. Um, you know, think about like adultery. You may need to know what can you prove if your jurisdiction is one where adultery matters and you got a hunch, you know, you might need to know or want to know going into that mediation, the extent of what you're going to be able to prove at trial in Georgia. You know, if you can show there's been an affair and that affair was the cause of the separation, the opposing party is not entitled to alimony. It is an outright bar. So if you don't have all your information and all your facts about that affair that may have happened, how can you sit down at a mediation table and really know what's in your best yeah. interest to settle for? Yeah, I mean, it's almost malpractice. I mean, your attorney and I, I get it. There's attorneys out there that'll push clients right to the table just for the sake of they want it resolved. And just be careful. I mean, and that's kind of where I, on the other side, in my case, the other attorney's really pushing hard to get to the table. And, and I know they're not prepared. Um there, it's just uncertain facts. I may let's go because I would have had everything. Now I don't have everything either. They're still not preparing, which is fine by me. I'll get all the information I need and I'll get to the table and we'll be better prepared to do it. I think it's just so key. You can't properly advise your client, uh, which leads into the next one, which is, uh, and I'll liken it to know, kind of knowing your bottom line. And I'll say, it, give you an example. Many, many people who buy a car, uh, if they want to negotiate, I'm preparing in advance. I'm not going in cold. I'm, I'm kind of a maybe odd in that way. Uh, I'm going to look at, all right, what is it likely? What are these cars selling for? I do some research online and I look at kind of, all right, what's my highest dollar amount I want to spend on this vehicle? And if I don't get to that point and if they're still above it, I walk away. And if you're not prepared, you're wasting your time. Maybe you get nervous. Maybe, maybe you make an impulsive decision. Mm-hmm. Maybe you guilt it into it. Uh, and then you have all this regret and in the most important moment in your life, wouldn't you be prepared? And that's really, it is kind of telling them the bottom line and knowing best case, worst case, you know, what are you willing to do? Right. Yeah. You have to. So at a minimum, if your attorney is competent, they're going to be, you're going to be developing an offer in contemplation of going to mediation. I mean, I think everyone can understand that you need to know what you want to offer to settle, but the other such important piece of it is you need to be developing your bottom line. What are you willing to do? Not what the offer is what your, you know, your, your plan is. That's plan A. But what's plan B? Because very rarely do you go into mediation, you make an offer and they say, sounds good. Let's sign. You know, that just doesn't happen. Right. So you need to know, 
okay, if you offer X on alimony and they come back with a counter offer and it's, you know, it, it's not exactly what you were hoping for, you need to know how far you're willing to push it. Because if you haven't even thought about that, if you haven't looked at your finances to see what you're, you're even able to do, not what you want to do, but what are you able to do type, type analysis, um, it's going to create an anxiety during that mediation that is likely going to do, derail the entire process because you just didn't take that time to really think through, okay, what am I willing to do to get, to get this resolved? Um, beyond just, you know, what you want to do to, by way of making an offer. You yeah. got you got to do that. I, I mean, otherwise you're going to feel very overwhelmed and then already, I mean, it's already not a fun process, right? So just that yeah. little extra preparation goes a long way. And as we move kind of stages in this process, and I'll liken it to this, I always try to find examples for, you know, as you're listening, sometimes we, as lawyers, we, you know, we lawyer talk it all the way through and it doesn't make a lot of sense. So those who often listen to this podcast, I try to find like the buying a car, crude examples. This one would be like losing weight, right? The next one is if you think about it, uh, and I myself, you get to the point where you have to be mentally ready to lose weight. You know, you have to be there. You can't, you're either all in or you're all out. And otherwise you're just not going to be successful. And there, it's a, it's a path and you really have to be ready emotionally to say, okay, I'm in. Same goes for family law. I have clients who just aren't there yet, and I'm not going to push it. There are plenty of lawyers in the country that I've run across on the other side that hammer their clients in a settlement because they know better, and the client's not there. So that's got to be a roadblock well as well, being the emotional part of a client's perspective where and having them where they are. It absolutely is. So, you know, we as lawyers and professionals who do this all day long, we're able to look at it as the business deal that it is. But we know that it is so much more than that for our clients. It is their entire life. It is their children. It is their, you know, their livelihood and all the things. Um, and, And so part of getting ready for mediation is not just crunching the numbers. It's not just managing expectations and, and, you know, reality testing and all that. It is making sure you are mentally and emotionally ready to, to understand and agree to the changes that are going to be coming into to your life. And the reason I wanted to make sure that this point was included on the roadblocks is because I just mediated a case two weeks ago. It was a custody case. We were making great progress. We were, you know, really down. We were down to the nitty gritty details of like the holiday schedule. One of the things you might say toward, towards the end. And we, after been mediating for several hours, the mom apparently had never, it had never come across her mind that she might have to not spend the child's birthday with the child. The child was very, very young. Um, those are inherently difficult custody cases to, to, to settle anyways, or to, you know, to, to negotiate. And when we were talking, she asked, she offered if she could have the child every year on, on the child's birthday. And of course my client said, no, we should be, you know, if that's going to be a part of the settlement, we should be alternating it. Mom couldn't get there. She could not get past the thought of not seeing her child every year on her birthday, we didn't settle. Yeah, right. After all that work, we didn't settle. Yeah. I mean, that. I mean, have a conversation, say, okay, let's go to the parenting planning. Before you get there, I mean, I'm not going to let my client get to that table because I know it's a, it's a provision that no one would ever really agree to. It's just, it isn't. And I get it. And so you just have to be prepared, which really kind of, as we wrap up the, the conversation about roadblocks, and that is, is, is being prepared is I'm, I have this conversation all the time. And I'm okay with it. And as long as I say to the client, look, I'll try your case. I am ready right now to try your case. I don't have a, a dog in this hunt, right? But as you know, it's going to cost you 20 grand. We're going to get to trial. 
It's going to cost you 20000 I'm okay with it. If, I'm going to fight for you hard. But let's look at what that cost is, what, what you're going to get through a settlement, what your best case, worst case is. And then let's look at trial and what we can achieve. And having those very direct, very honest, frank conversations about the cost-benefit analysis has to be a roadblock. Yeah, it is. When 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 clients or litigants haven't been prepped on the cost of trial, they're inherently not taking that into consideration in the settlement negotiation, which you absolutely have to be doing. If we're down to arguing over the last 10 grand, who gets the 10 grand out of this or that account, or whether you'll pay 10 grand more in total and alimony or, or whatever the case may be, you really need to be thinking about, do you want to throw that settlement away and go spend the 20 grand anyways at trial or whatever the amount is going to be? We throw around in my jurisdiction, something called the target rule, referring to target the, the retail store. If you can buy it at target, probably shouldn't throw your settlement away over it, right? You know, so you because your, your trial is going to cost you much more than that. So you before you ever walk in that mediation door, it is your attorney's job to educate you on what it is going to cost roughly to try your case so you can be thinking about that and making decisions during your negotiation. If your attorney is yeah. not talking about that, they're not doing their job. 100%. I, I told this story so many times in our seminars that we give. I got a call on... Uh, Christmas Eve, late, maybe 5, 30, 6 o'clock. And the client said, look, she just walked down the house with all the silverware and the plates. And uh, he goes, I want to go to court. I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to spend 1500 two grand. We can go file it. It's clearly a violation of the standing order. No doubt about it. Or as you suggest, you can go to Target. And I told him, then you can go to Target tonight. And you can go replace the silverware and the plates for probably under $100. And we can just raise this at trial as, as part of her behavior later on. So you choose. What do you want? 2000 and then we're going to do it again or under 100 And And it kind of sat that. He, he was quiet. He goes, I get it. And I go, look, I'm not saying we ignore it. I'm just saying there's a cost for everything you choose to do. Get your motions under control. Look at it as a business deal. How much is it going to do? And and it is. It's But there are other lawyers that uh, I, I think tend to ignore it. And I think that just serves as a a recipe for a bad relationship and bad customer service. So yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, Well, Jill, thanks again for joining Roadblocks to Settlement Mediation. Great topic. Uh, we'll continue this on. It's a really good topic. So we'll have to do another one on these. And so thanks for joining today. Absolutely. Thanks, Scott. Well, check out the YouTube channel, uh, items, videos, podcasts, virtual town halls on topics that I know interest you, that you can find that affect you that are concerning you right now. And don't forget to check out uh, information on our website at cordellcordell.com of our upcoming August virtual town hall. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a chance to log on and log in and get in touch with a panel of Cordell attorneys. This one's going to be one we haven't done ever. And that is, you have questions, we have answers. It's just a log on chat. Well, live, you submit a question in the chat box. We'll try to give you some direction. Of course, we can't give you legal advice because of the limited amount of information we have but we're going to give you direction. We're going to get you answers that you have. So check that out coming up in August. You'll find it on our website. Give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW, or you can schedule a consult right from our website right there. You can hit that button, schedule where it's appropriate for you. Zoom, in-person, telephone, whatever you want. Until next time, have a great week.